being a mom is hard. It's frustrating. It's scary. It's beautiful. It's fun. It's crazy. We want to give our kids all the love that we can. We want to give them our best. And it hurts when we fail. Sometimes we're just, we're not the mom that we want to be or who God says that we are. But we're all learning and growing along the way. And today I want to share with you some lessons that I have learned that have truly changed the way that I do this mom thing. And I really think that they could bless you and give you some insight as well. So grab a notebook and let's get started. Mama, welcome to the Nurse Mom Podcast, where you're going to learn how to ditch the mom stress through renewed mindsets, healthy habits, and balanced nutrition. God is calling you to a life of peace, joy, and rest, even during this crazy season when kids are tugging at your legs, you can't get a minute to yourself, and you feel like you have a million things to do. So if you are ready to leave the stress and busyness behind and step into the goodness that God has for you and your family, then you are in the right place. So set those kiddos up with some Legos, some Play-Doh, or whatever is going to keep them engaged for the next 20 minutes while we dig into today's show. Let's do it. time in my life when I was still working at the office and I just remember bedtime was such a struggle. It always ended with crying and fighting and me being frustrated and I just remember I would get so angry at my kids when they didn't listen, when they didn't brush their teeth when I asked them to, when they just were too loud or took too long or whatever it might be. I was just so stressed out and uptight and that's not how I wanted bedtime to go. I only had a certain amount of time with my kids every day and I didn't want it to look like that but yet I kept repeating the same patterns over and over again. I felt like I was stuck in that movie Groundhog Day and I actually I have never seen the whole thing but my husband loves Bill Murray so he's seen all the Bill Murray movies and it gets referenced in our home sometimes so I I get the concept but I just kept repeating the same thing over and over even though I didn't want to and it just I could totally feel what Paul said in Romans 7.15. He says, For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. And that is how I felt as a mom. I hated yelling. I hated getting frustrated. I wanted to be patient, but I wasn't. And I got really frustrated. I opened up Galatians and read Galatians 5.22 about the fruit of the Spirit, about being kind and patient and joyful and gentle. And I just didn't feel that way. And I was angry at God. I, I wanted to have the fruits of the Spirit and I felt that I should. And I just couldn't understand why I didn't. And then I read a little bit longer into Galatians where it says, walk by the Spirit. So the Greek word for walk means to direct one's life by. So if I wanted to have the fruits of the Spirit, I needed to to direct my life by the Spirit. And I needed to include the Holy Spirit in my parenting. And when I started 
to realize that something just changed. God started putting the people in front of me, the resources, the scriptures, the lessons that I needed to truly change the way that I was doing this thing, the way that I was treating my children, the way that I was being a mom. And I want to share with you the lessons that have really just changed the way that I parent. So I have four mindset shifts that I want to share that I go back to all of the time because they really help me to be aware of how I'm reacting towards my kids and they help me to be intentional to react in a loving way. We are our kids' primary example, their first example of how to be in this world, of how to act, how to treat others. And I just want to raise good kids who love people and who shine the light of Jesus around the world. Amen. Um, So here we go. So the first one is that you are not meant to control your kids. What? That doesn't make sense. Of course I need to control my kids, you may be thinking, right? I need them to obey. I need to control the situation. I'm the one in control. I'm the mom. But hear me out. So when I started thinking about the times that I lost my cool and got really angry with my kids, there was always a pattern. It always came down to my kids were disobeying or they were being too loud or they just weren't respecting me the way that they should. And what I started to realize is that it always came down to me feeling like I didn't have control. Well, why was this a trigger for me? Because I was focusing on the wrong thing. I was focusing on trying to control my kids' behavior, trying to be the one in control. But really, that's not my job. And any mom knows that it's actually impossible to control somebody else. You can't make a baby sleep. You can't make a child obey. I can give them consequences if they don't obey. I can take them to their room. I can do all of those things, but really if I say, go get your shoes on, and my kid says no, and I say, well then you lose TV time today, and they still say no, I can keep dishing out the consequences, but if they wanna say no, I can't make them say yes. I can't make them put on their shoes. Yes, I can put their shoes on for them, right? I've done that before, but I literally can't make them obey. But. The world tells us that we should be able to control our kids and we actually, we feel shame when we can't, right? When we're out at a supermarket and our kids are too loud. And of course, we should try to control the situation so that things are more peaceful and orderly and we should try to set our kids up for success. But when it comes down to it, you honestly can't make a child obey. But what does God's word say about this? So when we look at Proverbs 22.6, It says, train up a child in the way that they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. So that word train, what does train mean? So the definition of train is to teach a skill and behavior through practice and instruction over a period of time. So this is like the long haul, guys. We can't just teach a skill, like teach a skill of obedience and think that all of a sudden they're going to get it and they're going to be changed. That's not how it works. If we look further, Deuteronomy 6, 4 says, teach your children the words of God when you walk, when you lie down, when you rise. And that word teach means to sharpen the blade of a tool with repetitive friction and and grinding. So this is repetitive and it's through practice. 
This is going to take a long time, ladies. So we don't need to get all hot and bothered when the things that we're trying to teach our kids, we can't see the fruit of it right away because we have to keep going. We have to keep repeating it. We have to keep letting them practice it. Our goal shouldn't be to control. Our goal should be to teach and train. So if we can realize this, if we can have this mindset shift, no longer am I angry and offended when my kids aren't listening. No longer do I take it personally, but now I see it for what it really is. Just a chance to teach them what is right, to teach them God's ways, to teach them how to make a better choice. I read a great book with um, a really awesome group of ladies from church called Parenting by Paul David Tripp. And he says that, The goal is not to control behavior. The goal is heart and life change. But this change happens through the Holy Spirit. But ladies, we are the hands and feet of God training up the next generation. So next time you feel that anger rising up when your kids are disobeying, when things are out of control, take a minute to remember that this is all to be expected. This is part of the training. This is part of their practice. It doesn't mean that you're a bad mom because they don't get it yet. Use it for what it is. Take it as a chance to teach them and train them. Okay, the second shift is to realize when you are provoking your children and then to stop doing it because I promise you it will save you a lot of hassle. (laughs) So the other day, my kids were going bowling with Grandma and Bumpa, their grandparents, and they had been looking forward to this for weeks. So earlier in that day... Forrest hit Silas like really hard and I don't know about you but when someone hurts one of my children it really makes me angry even if it's one of my other children like why can't you just be nice why do you have to hurt him I don't want to see my kids hurt so I handled it pretty well I thought you know I told Forrest to go to his room but I didn't just leave it at that on his way up the stairs I had to add in I don't know if you should be going bowling with grandma and bumpa well That triggered him. He lost it. And now, instead of just going up to his room, now he's yelling and screaming and throwing things off of the stairs. And I knew it would trigger him. That's why I said it. But it made the situation so much worse because I provoked him to anger. I made him angry on purpose. Like, why? That's so silly. Instead of supporting him, I made him angry on purpose. And the truth is, I knew I was going to let him go bowling. We had been planning it for weeks. Grandma and Bumper were already on their way down from New Hampshire, which is like a three-hour drive. So why did I say it? Because I was angry, and I wanted him to be angry too. But now I have to deal with the consequences of that. Ephesians 6.4 tells us, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. There are those words again. There's another translation that says training and instruction. So I could have used that situation for what it was. I could have had him go to his room. I could have met him up there. And then we could have talked it out. We could have went over, you know, how he could have made a better choice. But instead, I provoked him to anger. I provoked him to make even worse choices. And now I had to help him sift through that. And it caused a ton of chaos between all of the people in the family. And how often do we provoke our children? We can prevent that tension, that chaos, by not provoking. But we need to be aware of it so we can change our behavior. So start looking at some of the words that you say. It's easy for me to pick it out when my husband's doing it. Like sometimes I just look at him, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you just said that. And I wait for the freak out. (laughs) 
but it's harder when I'm trying to analyze my own actions. But doing that is going to make our homes happier and healthier places to be. So number three, choose words that are uplifting and encouraging. Don't say things that don't need to be said. So for example, the other day I was walking into the kitchen, my kids were in the living room watching TV, and one of them was like, mom, can you get me some water? Sure. But instead of saying sure, what I said was, yeah, I'll get you some water, but does anyone else need anything? Because I'm not coming back into that room five times, so if you need something, let me know. Okay, well that was not necessary, and I realized it right away too. Um, I mean, sure, I'm going to grab you some water because I love you and I'm going to serve you without grumbling and complaining. (laughs) That's what I should have said. Um, Or, you know, sometimes when my kids ask for a snack and I'm like, well, we're not having any more sugar. You've already had sugary treats today. There's no more sugar, okay? We need to put some good food in your body. Can you tell I'm a nutritional therapist? (laughs) But it's so negative, so discouraging. Right away, they have, they go to negative thoughts like, oh, mom's going to give me a gross snack. There's nothing good to eat. When I should have just said, sure, I'll cut up an apple for you. Do you want to grab some nuts or some crackers to go along with it? That's positive. That keeps everybody feeling optimistic and hopeful and happy. Both of those examples lead to the same outcome. Both of them lead to me getting them an apple and some crackers, but they change the vibe in the house. They change the emotions. I want to keep it positive, people. Let's keep it positive. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is as good for building up as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Choose your words wisely because how you speak is going to influence how your children feel. It's going to influence how you feel and it's going to influence the atmosphere in your home and the culture of your family. And not only what words you say, but how you say them influence so much. So for example, I could say, Silas, go get your shoes on. Or I could say, Silas, Can you go get your shoes on? Completely different. The first way shows that I'm I'm impatient, that I'm angry, that I'm dissatisfied with him. But the second way conveys love and patience. Proverbs 15.1, this is a favorite one in our home um, because I, I always notice the tone of voice thing for me and for my kids. Sometimes Silas says things to me and I'm like, Man, why are you yelling at me? Could you please try a different tone of voice? Like I get offended. So I can only imagine how they feel when my tone of voice is all crappy. So Proverbs 15.1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And it's so true. It's all about how you say something. And if you go on in that verse, it says, The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fools pour out folly. Sometimes I just feel like that fool when I go on like a mom rant. Like, where is your coat? I can't believe that you don't have your coat. Why didn't you have your shoes on when I said to have your shoes on? You know, I'm over here trying to get everything ready so we can get out the door. And what are you guys doing? Blah, 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 blah. Like, just stop. Just be quiet. None of that is good. None of that is positive. None of that is gentle. And if you go on in that verse, it says, a gentle tongue is a tree of life. I want to be a tree of life. There's another verse in Proverbs that says, the power of life and death are in the tongue or something like that. 
But our words matter. What we say and how we say it changes everything. It changes the atmosphere in our home. It changes the way that we behave toward each other, the way that we feel toward each other. It can make a huge difference. Okay, number four. Use your failures for God's glory. You're going to mess up, right? I mean, I'm here telling you this and I'm telling you the examples of when I messed up daily. We're going to mess up. We're humans. You know, we have a sinful nature. We're not perfect. But we can even use our mistakes for God's glory. Point back to the gospel, right? When you mess up, when you yell, admit your mistake. Admit when you are wrong. Just today, you know, I yelled at the kids when we were trying to get out of the house. That whole coat shoe thing that I just ranted about, that was a real thing. And when we got in the car, you know, I just stopped and I said, I'm sorry for yelling at you. Just because I thought you were disobeying or just because you were disobeying doesn't mean that I should be able to talk to you in an unkind way. And will you forgive me? You know, show them that we can ask for forgiveness. Show them that if we admit our mistakes, we can be forgiven. And I often pray and I ask God to protect my kids from my mistakes. Protect them from all of the silly things I'm going to say in the times that I'm not kind. And we know that God works all things together for his good. So stop sitting in your mom guilt, being feeling guilty over those times that you messed up. And instead of sitting in condemnation, take it to conviction. Use it for change. Use it for repentance, right? Show your kids that there's room for forgiveness and change. The enemy wants you sitting in that mom guilt. I remember this time a couple years ago, before church and I just I lost my cool about something I really lost it like I went off the deep end like really upset and then I felt so guilty like so guilty that I'm like I can't even we can't even go to church right now like I am in no state to go to church after what just happened and then God just spoke to me that is where Satan wants you in a place of guilt where you feel like you're not even worthy to go to the next thing, to, to make amends, to change. And that is not true. So let's get out of the guilt and step into con- the conviction. God will convict us to make changes. So make the next step. Show your kids that, you know, there is a do-over, that we can try again with God and with each other. And let that be the culture in your home. Okay, so there you have it. Those are the four mindset shifts that have really helped me be intentional about developing relationships with my kids that reflect God's love. They've really changed the way that I respond to and speak to my kids. So what does it look like to apply this all to your life? So I have five steps for you. So number one, be aware. Be aware of the times that you lose your cool, that you provoke, that you don't use nice words, jot them down throughout the day so you can go back to them and, you know, work them out. Be aware of your emotions and your thought patterns that lead up to those moments so you can be ready for them next time. Number two, journal. So take this info that you're gathering about yourself, about your emotions, write it down so you can kind of track your progress and so that you can go back and write down the truths that God is revealing to you as you're working it all out. 
Number three, invite God in. Ask him to help you. If you want to be more patient and kind, girl, ask your heavenly father. He wants you to be an awesome mom. There is an army of angels cheering you on. And there is an army of nourished moms cheering you on too. Number four, when you feel those familiar emotions that you are now aware of rising up and those thought patterns rising up, squash them. You are ready. You are prepared because you know what they feel like. You've been tracking them. You've been practicing awareness. Say a prayer, take some deep breaths, whatever you got to do to squash those. And then celebrate when you overcome one of your triggers, when there was a situation that usually provokes you to anger and you were able to, to change the way that you react, celebrate. Let us know. Thank God. Amen. That you change is happening in your heart. And let us know. We want to hear about it. Let us know in the, in the Facebook group. So I will link the Nourish Moms Facebook group in the show notes because we want to hear about your progress. And I will link that book that I mentioned, that parenting book in the show notes as well because you definitely, it's a great book to check out. So until next week, ladies, I pray that God fills your hearts and your homes with supernatural peace and energy and joy. You got this, mama. There is an army of angels cheering you on. God bless. Real quick before you go, if this podcast blessed you or inspired you in any way, could you please take a minute to write a review on Apple Podcasts? Writing a review is the number one way that you can help me to reach more moms just like you. And reading your reviews truly inspires me and encourages me to keep doing this work. Also, don't forget to connect with other like-minded mamas in our Facebook community so that we can encourage and uplift each other on this journey. The link to the Facebook group is in the show notes. Thank you for listening and may your heart overflow with God's peace and love. God bless.